This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Due to the length of both shows tonight, I've only a few moments to tell you what's on tap. First, we're going to hear an episode of Candy Matson. It's centered on Candy Matson, a female private investigator with a wry sense of humor, and a penthouse on Telegraph Hill in San Francisco. The program was notable for having a striking female character in the starring role without a trace of squeamishness, as well as a veiled gay character in Candy's best friend, Rembrandt Watson voiced by Jack Thomas. The show was created by Monty Masters and starred his wife, Natalie Parks, as Candy. Now, initially, he planned to star in himself as a male private detective, but his mother-in-law convinced him to change the lead to a female, which led to his wife being the star. Here's the episode, Cable Car Chase. Hello? Yukon 28209. Yes, this is Candy Matson. Do you have a little unsolved murder in your home? Got some blackmail you want to unload? Are you the victim of some vulgar extortionist? I know a girl you should meet. She may not be the greatest private eye in the world, so what if it does cost you three or four hundred dollars? She sure is sweet. She's Candy Matson. Like to meet her? Hello. Candy Matson? Well, I wasn't sure when I looked in the mirror this morning. Had a rough night, eh? Oh, there have been rougher ones. Look, voice, before you get caught with my receiver down, who are you and what do you want? As to who I am, you'll find out very shortly. What I want is you. How romantic and over the phone yet. Let me finish. What I want is you to lay off that cable car business. Oh, that. Well, I'm afraid I can't. You see, I was sitting beside him when they discovered his transfer had been punched sort of permanently. That's how things happen with me. I get into the craziest routines. You see, I used to be a model. I've been told I have the proper displacement for such a career. But I found there wasn't enough money in it. A girl has to maintain a nice apartment on Telegraph Hill, keep enough clothes to highlight the uh, displacement I mentioned, and also eat, doesn't she? Sure. So I turn private eye. You meet a better class of people, mostly named Rigger or Mortis. Now take this cable car deal. It's positively fantastic. But after all, this is radio, isn't it? Like to hear how the whole thing happened? Leave us trip along to Act One. (laughs) 
I wanted to get downtown that morning, but I couldn't take the F car on Stockton. They were ripping up about 87 streets, which is par for the course. So I walked down Telegraph Hill and up to Mason. That's where the Bay and Powell cable car stopped. All aboard! Come on, Lana, show that shapely ankle. We gotta make the Fairmont by Whitsuntide. The car was loaded, and so was the character next to me. I tried to budge into the seat between him and the fisherman's wharf dowager, but I couldn't quite make it. I'd forgotten my shoehorn. Say, pardon me, but would you mind reading your Wall Street Journal over that away a bit? I'd like to sit in here. Oh, if you insist. A knight of old. He budged his hips a quarter of an inch, and I slipped in, ready for my rocket ride over the hill and down into town. The trip, as usual, was uneventful. Three smashed fenders and several choice words I'd never heard before, but I wrote them down. By the time our prairie schooner reached the turntable at Market Street, the crowd on the car had thinned out. But uh, Buster was still beside me, his head buried in common and preferred. Market Street! I started to get down. Hey, lady, take your boyfriend with you. We're heading back up the hill. Boyfriend? I'll sue. He looks like the advance man for Lewis and Clark. How do you like that? He fell asleep over his stocks and bonds. I looked again. Hipsy wasn't asleep. Hipsy was stone cold dead on market. What a twist. I, who always went on the prowl for a whodunit, got one literally tossed into my lap. He just hadn't gone out of this world serene-like. Oh, no. There was a steady slurp slurp of blood trickling down his vest just north by northeast of the equator. After a half-hour wait full of questioning by homicide leg men, I knew my morning shopping tour was rained out. And after all, I was only going to buy an emerald clip to match the glint in my eye. Well, that would have to wait. I knew the next step. I grabbed a cab home. I wasn't long in waiting. Right on cue. And if it was the right cue, it would be Lieutenant Ray Mallard from headquarters, daintily pressing his cuticles against my apartment buzzer. I was right. What? I've been expecting you. Come on in, Mellard. You've been expecting me. Why, Candy? Naive little rover boy, you. Have a drink? No, no, I'm not in the mood. Uh, just make it a double. Sit down, Mellard. Let's be civilized. Take off your hat. It is off. Oh? <laughs> Candy, for once I'm puzzled. You're just saying that. Yeah, because it's true. I've checked and rechecked. No matter how many loose ends I tie together, I still get no connection between you and Dwight Ellsworth. Dwight Whosworth? Ellsworth. Your extremely limp traveling companion on the cable this morning? Mallard, I can give you an angle on that. Yeah? Yeah. The angle being that I didn't know him from Adam. Level? Straight. Oh, look, honeypot, this mediocre dialogue is getting us nowhere. What did you haul your size 11s in here for? Oh, frankly, I don't know. Uh, here, fill it up, will you? Well, you're not just going around in circles, Mallard. You're going around in doubles. Yeah, yeah. Like I've said before, Candy, you've got a pretty view from here. Oh? Wait till I turn around. I mean from your window. Look at that ship down there, just docking. Hmm? Where? Down there. There's oh. romance for you. Probably just in from the far east. Here's your drink. Oh, thanks. You know, it is sort of romantic. Don't you think it'd be fun to jump on a tramp like that and whisk off to the South Seas? Hmm? On a honeymoon? No. That's what I thought. South Seas. 
Mallard. Don't call me Mallard. Why not? We're just playing for ducks, aren't we? Oh, very crisp. Playing for ducks. No, Candy, we aren't. Not in this case. We've got a dead man in our hands. Rudy Toot Toot shot right through the heart. And you were sitting next to him. Sure, sure. Go on now. Get out of here. What? You heard me. Lift your hindquarters and get back to headquarters. Candy, I don't like that look. You've got something on your mind. Yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't recognize it if I told you about it. Uh, one word of warning. Don't dabble. You're in deep enough. Got it? Got it. Here's your hat. Grab it. So long, Mallard. See you around a jailhouse sometime. I full fum. Twas then I smelled a big fat fee. That great, big, kind of attractive Mallard. He missed the boat. Oh, he saw it, but he missed it. It was that ship he saw docking. That was the first time I came out of the dark since my Toonerville ride down the hill in the morning. I needed help, so I called an old friend of mine, if you can call that help. Rembrandt Watson was his name. He was a photographer and other things. He spent most of his life in the dark room dabbling with bottles. His negatives and prints were sharp. His thought processes, not quite. But he'd given me assistance in the past, so I called him. Rembrandt Watson speaking. Photography, portraits, and camera work. Yes, Rembrandt, I know. Also available for gardening, janitorial service, and babysitting. Rembrandt, it's candy. Especially at the over 21. Who? Candy? Now you're tuned in. How dare you, baggage. I was experimenting with a new type of formula. 90 proof for 100. 100. And candy, it works beautifully. There's a delightful little pixie in a pink ballet skirt in my living room. Well, leave her there and get over here immediately to my place. Take a cab. I'll pay for I'd it. I'd much rather have a handsome carriage with a brace of chestnuts. You've got them in your head. Now just do as I say and get over here. Float in, Rembrandt. Gadfrey, where's the man to take me cloak, gloves, and topper? You're wearing a sport coat and slacks, and you know I have no man. And therein lies your basic trouble, my dear. You have no man. Now, Rembrandt. Every man should have a woman. Every woman should have a man. It's the incontrovertible law of the universe. Candy, you should have a man. You Sure, I'm no longer a man. I'm a sprite, transcending the world Well, and... stop transcending a moment and come down to Earth. We've got a job to do. How poetic. How idyllic. We've got a job to do. Uh, for money? Eventually. Oh, one of those. Very well, my dear, bring me up to date. Well, I, I don't really know if I can or not. Good. And I shall leave and return to me formula. Oh, no. What I mean is, the whole story is so fantastic you'd never believe it. I might. Try me, Candy. Well, I get on a cable car and sit next to a character reading the Wall Street Journal. A strange coupling. A cable car and the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. And when we get to the end of the line, my friend next to me is dead. Probably the ride down the hill frightened him to death. Uh-uh. He looked like a used punch board. He had a neat little bullet hole through his heart. Candy, my little ballerina friend in the pink skirt is more believable than what you just told me. I told you it was fantastic, but none of how it happened. Now, sooner or later, Mallard is going to come out of his fog. And when he does, I'm going to be out of a fee. A fee that so far doesn't exist, my pretty. It will, if my hunch is right. Now, here's what I want you to do. Go down to the Chronicle and get all the back files you can on Southern Island Steamship Company. The Chronicle? A pleasure. I have a few questionable companions there who indulge in formulas. Stay away from those companions and just do as I ask. Very well, my dove. I go, but... Entirely against my will. 
And where will you be? Around town, Rembrandt. I've got to do some legwork. Let me assure you, Candy, you have just the right equipment for it, too. What a joint. I'll bet they mount slit gullets on the walls instead of deer heads. Well, come on, Candy. Get your tools out and screw up your courage. Yeah, miss, what'll it be? Uh, nothing right at the moment except information. Information, water, both free. What do you want to know? Well, I'm, I'm looking for the purser off the of Dwightsonia. I hear he does his shore duty in here. Uh, that's right. Name Campbell. That head on the table over there belongs to him. Mm, thanks. Hello, sailor. Hey, Campbell. Wake up. Mm. Oh, leave me alone. Come on, snap out of it. Uh, who are you? Who do you want? My name is Candy Matson. I want to ask a question. Oh, I'm only drinking. Go away. Not until I find out what I want to know. Dwight Ellsworth was murdered this morning. What? I thought that would bring you to. Uh, well, that's the nicest news I've heard since VJ Day. What do you want to know? Where did his brother live? That stooge. He's got about as much spine as a water eel. Never mind. I want to find him. He seems to keep his whereabouts as secret as an atomic stockpile. Uh, the whole family ought to be knocked off. Uh, he lives out in Seacliff, 25 Dashell Road. Good. A bartender, buy my friend a little reward. And one for yourself, too. Well, so far, so good. Oh, how did I know about Campbell the purser? Well, you see, I have quite a few friends, most of whom my pal Mallard doesn't approve. So I grabbed the cab and navigated the driver out towards Seacliff. It was so foggy I couldn't see the meter. But I paid him anyway, gave him a neutral tip and dismissed him. There it was, 25 Dashell Road. An austere-looking cabana, one that dared you to ring the front doorbell. I dared. I had the awful feeling I should have been around at the side door delivering hand laundry. Good evening. Well, except for the fog, yes. Uh, is Mr. Ellsworth in? Yes, he is. But I'm afraid I must ask you to leave. There has been a death in the family. I know. That's why I'm here. Come in, please. Thank you. Walk this way, please. Oh, I'm afraid I, I couldn't. Even if I live to be a hundred. Mind your tongue, young lady. You're in the house of an Ellsworth. Oh, hoity-toity. The old babe had delusions of grandeur. Well, no need to get uppity with me. I've mingled with royalty. I once played a bit part in a Rita Hayworth picture. But this old gal was really something. She couldn't have been more than 45, yet looked like something out of the barracks of Wimpole Street. She ushered me into a large-ceilinged living room, and there on the divan was my boy his head lowered into his hands and quite obviously touched. Quite obviously. Roger, this young lady is here to see you. I don't believe you mentioned your name. Uh, Candy Matson. Uh, Matson? You in shipping, too? Mm, of a sort. Oh, uh, this is my wife, Miss Matson. You'll pardon me if I don't seem hospitable, but my brother was murdered this morning. I know. I was sitting next to him when it happened. You were? Don't talk to her, Roger. 
I don't trust her. This whole thing is a threat of some kind. No, it's not a threat. It's a business proposition. I'll come right to the point. You see, I'm a private detective. Oh, one of those persons. Put your nose back down, Mrs. Ellsworth. I want to get the show on the road. Yes, I'm a private detective, and I'm in a spot, too. The police think I'm connected with the case in some way, so I'm here for a double purpose. I'm listening, Miss Madison. Roger, I forbid you to speak with this this woman. Too late, Mrs. Ellsworth. Now, this is it. I'm in this business to make money. Give me a check now for $300, and I'll find out who killed your brother. And I'll also clear myself. Roger, I'm warning you. Naturally, you want to see the killer of your brother brought to justice, don't you, Mr. Ellsworth? Don't you? I... Yes. Yes. Here, I'll make a check out right now. Thank you. Just make it out to Candy Matson. Payable today. It's a lovely collection of guns you have, Mr. Ellsworth. You hunt much? Mm, oh, yes, yes. My wife and I are quite fond of shooting. Uh, she's an excellent shot. Ah, there you are. Thank you. I'll be in touch with you sometime tomorrow. Mr. Reed didn't say a word. She just stood there against the fireplace and shot sparks through me. After I waved the check in the air a few times to dry the ink, she showed me to the door. Very clever, aren't you? Taking advantage of a weak-willed man. I wonder who made him that way. Don't cash that check. I mean it. Don't cash that check. Mrs. Ellsworth, $300. I need the money, badly. I need some new rolls for my player piano. I buzzed back downtown. I wanted to cash that check in a hurry. I knew of only one person who would give me the crisp green at that hour of the night. Uncle Charlie, the honest miller who ran the chase room. Uncle Charlie, in the strict sense of the word, was a gentleman. So with a tender little pat on my cheek, he cashed the check and I went up Telegraph Hill and home. All of a sudden, my eyes did a couple of inverted loops. All my lights were on. Who's in here? All right, speak up. Oh, Candy, the light of my oh. life. Come join our party. Oh, Rembrandt, you gave me a scare. You don't scare easy what? either, Candy. Got something on your mind? And Mallard. Well, how ducky, a midnight soiree. What goes on here? Well, that chicken you had in the icebox is delicious. Was delicious. Looks like you've done everything but eat the bones. Your vintage is superb, too, Candy. Have a little formula? No. Now, no, come on. What gives? That's my line, Candy. What gives? You're in on something, and I want to know about it. Oh, Mallard, believe me, it, it's nothing. I, I'm, I'm just trying to parley a couple of hunches. Tall hunches. Look at all those clippings on the South Sea Island Steamship Company. What are they for? I meant to tell you, Candy, I had remarkable success down at the Chronicle. There's everything you want on that steamship line. Now, oh, Rembrandt, did you have to tell the whole world? Candy, you chide me unnecessarily. I merely had the clippings on the table when Hawkshaw here walks in on me. Okay, Candy, take it from there. I can't tell you yet, Mallard. Nothing makes sense yet. I, I've got about four loose ends that need tying off. If I'd only put two men to following you, I'd save myself a lot of grief. Two days, that's all, Mallard. Just give me two days. I think I'll have it for you. All right. But don't forget, the boys down at Kearney Street headquarters don't love you the way I do. Two days. No more or less. I gotta go. Thanks for the foul, chicken. Ah, very gay. Here, Rembrandt, here's $50 for you. Fifty? My word. What's all this talk about a recession? Go on and take it. Go someplace and stabilize the economy.
I whipped through the old newspaper clipping. It was all there. Fire at sea on Ellsworth ship. Two seamen lost off Ellsworth ship near Honolulu. South Sea Island line ship loses rudder in storm. On and on it went over a period of three years. I threw the papers back on the table. Helped myself to some of Rembrandt's formula. Turned down the lights and went out on the porch. The bay was dark except for an occasional path of light from a passing freighter. I sat down to think and think. Then, click, click, just like that, two little tumblers in my mind fell into place. Only one thing to do, and that was to do it the hard way. The next morning, just as the ferry building siren was announcing 8 o'clock to downtown San Francisco, I got Rembrandt on the phone. Candy, what on earth are you calling me for at this hour? Can't help it. There's work to be done. I did my work last night so extremely well that I'm just going to bed now. Sorry, you'll just have to delay your sack time. Meet me at the corner of Mason and Union in ten minutes. Right where the cable car stops. Now, what are we going to do? We're going to take a cable car ride. What? One of those bouncing, jerky little contraptions? Not the way I feel this morning. Oh, yes, you are. Union and Mason in ten minutes. All right, Rembrandt, get on. This is the silliest thing you've ever done, Candy. Maybe. We'll see. Dwight Ellsworth was already on the car when I got on here. And alive. How could you tell? He mumbled something when I asked him to move over. Sounds logical. Although I once remember stumbling into a corpse who mumbled for hours after he'd been liquidated. Mm, Rembrandt was in one of his rambling moods, so I let him alone. The car pulled over Mason Street, down Washington, and then swung on to Powell and up the hill. Now I watched the buildings and apartments carefully. It was a little red brick building, now a big apartment house. A woman's residence club and so on. Then over the hill, more apartments and the possibilities petered out at Bush. Well, only one thing to do. Canvas all those blocks between Washington and Bush. Okay, Rembrandt. Off the car. The strangest corpse I ever did see. Uh, what do you say, Candy? Off the car. Come on. Now what? I just want to get to bed. Well, not for a long time, Boy Blue. Now here's the pitch. You take this building and I'll take the next. We'll alternate as we go along. Ask if a tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria ever lived around here. Oh, Candy. I know it sounds wild, but it's got to be done. A horse with a tall face and dressed something like... Oh, Rembrandt, look at me. Get that smoke out of your brain. A tall woman with a horsey face and dressed something like Queen Victoria. You got it? Got it. Okay, get going. It was slow and tiresome. And the answers I got. A tall gal dressed like Queen Victoria. Oh, sister. That was about par. Nope. Nobody like that ever lived here. Are you positive? A dame who fits that description? Yeah, I'm positive. The morning wore on and so did we. We were over on the other side of California Street now, so we stopped and had a bite to eat. I had pickles with mine and Rembrandt had olives on toothpicks in a glass. And again, we picked up the hunt. My heart was suddenly making with a rumba. There, just on the other side of Clay, in front of a three-story red brick house, was a police squad car. There was a little knot of people gathered around. Daintily lifting my crinoline, I did a Mel Patton down the block and up the front steps. I didn't have any trouble finding the room. The door was wide open, and there was a body on the floor. Four representatives of the law were buzzing back and forth. One of the buzzees was Mallard. Well... My little ambassador of violence. 
Why is it you're always around the extremely dead, Candy? I've got no time to brandy the ad libs, Mallard. Who is it? I don't know yet. No identification. Let me see. <laughs> huh. A pen pal, maybe. I was right. I knew it. Knew it? Knew what? You're right. He was a pen pal. He wrote me a check last night for $300. His name is Roger Ellsworth. <laughs> Very interesting. Must be open season on Ellsworth's. Okay, Candy, time you filled in in the blanks. Start. Wait a minute. I want to look at the window over here. Mm-hmm. Mallard, there are a couple of younger Ellsworths living around town here. I'm sure you'd like to see them stay healthy. Yeah? Get out to 25 Dashell Road and pick up an old crone also named Ellsworth. Five will get you 20. She's the one you're after. Uh, all right. But you get back to your place and stay put, understand? I want to have a more illuminating chat with you. Oh, Mallard, I'm, I'm just like putty in your hands. The moon was coming up over Diablo and spraying a path of silver on the bay. Still no Mallard. I wondered what could be wrong. Well, this was it. This was the showdown. Have you seen a tall face with a horsey woman? Oh, Rembrandt. Candy, I'm so mad at you, I could... Oh, what's the use? Now what's the matter? What's the matter, she says. I've been roving all over Powell Street, ringing doorbells. Where did you go, you traitor? Oh, Rembrandt, I'm sorry. and In the excitement, I forgot all about you. What excitement? There's been another murder. In a moment, there's going to be another... I'm looking right at you, Candy. Oh, cool off. Have some formula and stop snorting steam. <gasps> what was that? Your window, Candy. It just shattered. What? Oh, wait a minute. That window didn't shatter by itself. Quick, get the lights, Rembrandt. Now duck down here. What sort of a silly game are we playing now? This isn't a game, believe me. Candy! Candy, are you all right? Yikes, it's the gumshoe. Yes, I'm all right. Where are you, Mallard? Over here. Two houses over. We've got your girlfriend trapped on the roof next to you. Don't move and stay covered. Okay. All right, Mrs. Ellsworth. Are you coming down peacefully or do we have to play cops and robbers? I'm not coming down until I get that candy match. She did it. She forced me to kill my own brother-in-law. Have it your own way. Okay, loosen her up a bit, boys. Better than the 4th of July. Keep your head down, Rembrandt. Oh, is that what was up? Ready to come down, Mrs. Ellsworth? No, I'm not. That hateful woman! She's ruined my whole life! All my plans! Just because of her snooping and prying! She's going to die, I tell you! It was a miracle, Candy. You must have moved slightly just as she shot at you. Oh, well, it was too close, I can tell you. She's dead? Oh, decidedly. I think she was dead before she hit the ground. That one shot got her. We went out to her house, and she was just driving off when we got there. We trailed her up to North Beach, lost her for a block, and then spotted her car at the top of the hill here. We arrived just as she was getting on the roof next door. Okay, now you tell me your little dream. Well, it was that ship docking that set my wheels going around. 
The name Ellsworth started burning in back somewhere. Mm-hmm. You saw the clippings we dug up. Yeah. The South Sea Island steamship lines were slowly being sabotaged. I did some checking, and I, I found that the insurance companies weren't going to renew. Yeah. I don't know why I didn't tie that in sooner. Oh, it's just that you have too many things on your mind, Mallard, dear. <laughs> I went out to the place on Dashiell Road, and when I left, I was pretty sure the old girl had knocked off her brother-in-law. Why? Well, for several reasons. One, she was a venomous old witch. Two, you've never seen such a collection of guns in all your life. And her husband admitted she was a darn good shot. I also saw one little pot gun that was very interesting. It had a silencer on it. Uh-huh. That was the one she used on you tonight. And also the one she used on Dwight Ellsworth from the window of that apartment where you found her husband. How do you know? Go back there. You'll see a nice little bullet hole in the curtain with burned powder all around it. Now, don't tell me that... Yes, I'm telling you that she rented that place knowing that her brother-in-law always went downtown on a certain cable car. She waited that morning until we were riding by and she plugged him. I have now heard everything. And the reason? Dwight Ellsworth, rather than fighting the insurance companies, had decided to sell his steamship line. But the old gal thought she'd beat him to the punch by knocking him off. The steamship company would then fall into her husband's hands. Yeah. What about her husband? Well, after he gave me the check and I left, they evidently had a fearful row and she spilled the beans. Somehow she lured him down to that place on Powell and gave him some lead poisoning, too. And that's all there is to it. Candy, I wish you'd have told me all these things earlier. We might have been able to save the life of Roger Ellsworth. Mm, it wouldn't do any good. Because if she hadn't killed him, I was going to. What? Mm-hmm. While I was waiting for you to get here, the phone rang. It was Uncle Charlie, the honest miller. That no good Roger Ellsworth. His check bounced like a brand new golf ball. <laughs> What's so funny, Mallard? Listen in again to the further adventures of Candy Matson. Girl Sucker. Well, that's the way it goes. Sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. In this case, nobody did. Except Rembrandt. He'd stocked his darkroom with $50 worth of formula. And not the kind you use on negatives, either. Let's see. Murder on a cable car. Dwight and Roger Ellsworth done in as well as the old gal. One check that bounced. It really does sound fantastic, doesn't it? But I told you this was radio, didn't I? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I did come out ahead at that. On the way out, Mallard leaned down and kissed me. The first time it ever happened. You know, at times, it, it's kind of fun to be in the arms of the law. Listen again next week at the same time. For excitement and adventure, just dial... Candy Matson. Yukon 28209. Heard tonight were Helen Cleave, Jack K. Hill, and Harry Bechtel, Jack Thomas as Rembrandt, and Henry Leff as Mallard. The program stars Natalie Masters as Candy and is written and produced by Monty Masters. Stay tuned for Archie Andrews next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Archie Andrews and the story of the big ball game. Comics Magazine, know and love so well, Archie Andrews and all his gang. 
And now for our weekly visit to Riverdale. It's Sunday afternoon as we look in on the Andrews family. And at the moment, all is peaceful and quiet. We find Mr. Andrews seated in his favorite armchair, reading his newspaper. Well, dear, said you were not Excuse me, Mommy, I don't know what you're asking. Ha, 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 Mommy said, but Daddy always goes, oh, he's there. Hee, hee, hee. Hey, Dodgers and Cardinals playing today. That should be a great ball game. Starts at 2.30. Oh, good grief, it's almost 2.30 now. By George, I'm going to turn the radio on and listen to that ball game. <laughs> yes, sir. Hey, it's been a long time since I've listened to a ball game, and that's just what I'm going to do this afternoon. And that'll be the batting order. We still aren't sure who the pitchers will be, but as soon as we find out, we'll let you know. Ah, yes, sir. It's a long time since I spent a nice afternoon listening to a good ball game. I don't have to remind you that with the traditional rivalry between these two teams, every pitch and every hit today will count. Oh, good grief. I just remembered I left my cigars in my jacket. Every player out there is out to win today. Uh, I've get some cigars right now so I won't have to get up once the game gets started. But no matter who wins or loses, there'll be a lot of baseball played on this diamond today. Yes, there are a lot of baseball. Yeah, and I don't want to miss any of it. Yeah, I'll get those cigars right now. So, here are today's pitchers. Uh, Marty Marion is going to start Al Brazel on mound. And those Dodgers don't like what he throws their way at all. No, sir, oh, not Fred, at have all. have you seen Archie? I... Fred? And hurling for the Dodgers will be Don Newcomb. For pity's sake, I was sure Fred was out here. Don to date has won three and lost one. Who on earth left that radio on? Manager Charlie Dressen knows what he's going to put in. Uh, <laughs> Don Newcomb at the... There. Next time Fred complains about electric bills, I'll remind him about leaving the radio on when nobody's listening. He and Archie are like a couple of kids. <laughs> yes, sir. Now I'm all set. Good cigars, not good ball game. Who could ask for anything? Good grief, who turned off that radio? <laughs> Hope that darn thing isn't broken. And so in just a minute oh, now, we'll yes. hear the old cry of play ball, and the game will be on. Yeah, for a minute there, I was afraid I wouldn't hear the game. Uh, Peanuts Lowry is going to lead off for the cards. He's already out there hefting a couple of bats over by home plate. Yes, sir. I'll just light up a good cigar and... Oh, good grief. No matches. And no. there goes Don Newcomb. Up to the mound. Well, I'll just have to go get some. I don't know why I can't think of these things all at once. Newcomb is looking at new ball over. He wants to get the feel hey, of it. Are you out here now? I... For pity's sake, he isn't. That ball's got to do tricks for him today, uh, yes, sir. Who turned that radio on again? Oh, so, in just about half a minute. I never in all my days saw a family like this. Turn the radio on and just leave it on. Yes, sir, I won't miss any of that game now, by George. Now for... For... for well, who turned that radio off again? Can't I even hear a ball game in my own house? I do... Break one! Call! <laughs> First pitch of the game, and it's strike one on Lowry. Ah, game started. <laughs> yes, sir, just settle down here and listen to it. <sighs> ah, there's wind-up. The pitch. Low and outside. Ball one. I won't get up out of this chair for... Oh, good grief. No ashtray around here. One and here. one's the count. Certainly wish Mary would put an ashtray back in here after she washes them. She always leaves them out in the kitchen. There's the wind-up. Pitch. Strike two, a swing and a miss. Two and one. Oh, man, oh, man, what a mighty swing that was. Fred, is that you? That I one would have wanna... gone places if he'd only connected. For pity's sake, there's no one in here yet. And that 
radio's on again. Something's winding up again. I've never in all my days seen such nonsense. I've turned this radio off three times now, and I'd certainly like to know who keeps turning it on. Oh, hello, dear. (laughs) Ah, good ball game on today. Mary, are you the one who's been turning off that radio? Are you the one who's been leaving it on? Of course I am. I want to hear the ball game. Of course game. I turned it off. You What's weren't the listening. Idea of turning it off anyway. Well, why don't you turn the set Can off I when you're not listening? Can I listen to a ball game in my own house? Do you, don't you care about a Every time I turn news? my back, the radio's Every off again. Every time I turn my back, that set's on and again. And nobody's here. And nobody's here. Now, Mary, I... You lecture me about economy, but then you do a foolish thing like that. Mary, I... Example is that for Archie. Mary, no I... wonder he always leaves the lights on in his room and the water running. Mary! Fred, what on earth are you shouting about? Mary, I am shouting as the only possible means of making myself heard above the general uproar. Now, Fred, I know, I, want... I know you weren't making any uproar, but neither was I. Now, look, I can explain the whole thing very simply. I wish you would. I will. You see, I am simply... Hi, Dad. Oh, hello, Archie. Mary, I'm simply trying... Hi, Mom. Hello, dear. Uh, Mary, I'm simply... How's the boy, Dad? Fine. Mary, I'm simply trying... How's the girl, Mom? Archie! Huh? I'm trying to talk to your mother. Do you mind? She was no dad. I don't mind. Thank you. You welcome. Archie! Okay, Dad, Okay. Well, Mary, as I was about to say, I was simply trying to... I was trying to... Mary, what was I trying to... I haven't the least idea, but I was trying to find out who keeps leaving the radio on. Radio? Mm-hmm. Oh, the radio! Mary, that was it. I'm trying to listen to it, and you keep turning it off. But, Fred, every time I came in here, the radio was on, and there was no one here. I guess you just happened to come in when I was out of the room getting a match or something, because I want to listen to the ball game without getting up. Oh, for pity's sake. Ball game? She was what ball game? The Dodgers and the Cardinals. The Dodgers and Cardinals? She was, are they playing today, Dad? The... Yes, Archie, they are playing today. Oh, boy, I'll listen with you, Dad. Archie, that is an offer for which I am deeply grateful. Huh? Fred, never mind the sarcasm. Now, go ahead and listen. I won't disturb you. Well, I'm glad that's settled. Gee whiz, Dad, go ahead and turn the radio on. I am, Archie, I am. Oh, boy, I bet the game has started by now. Who are you rooting for, Dad? Archie, I am not rooting. I just want to hear a good ball game. Who hit it? Pee-wee Reese. Thank you. Welcome. Oh, yes, that's what old Pee-wee Reese must be saying for that last pitch because that run was sure welcome to the Dodgers right now. So that ties up the ball game, 1-1. Oh, boy, Dad, this is going to be some game. Yeah, Archie, it certainly should be. I... Oh, fine, Archie, answer that. Okay, Dad. But what a time for a phone call. Hello? Hello, stepping up now. Hello? Hello, I said this is Veronica. She was, I can't hear a thing. Hold on a minute. Oh, Dad, would you turn the game off for a minute? Oh, fine, he didn't hear me. Dad, would you please turn the radio off? Oh, fine. Dad, would you please turn that radio off? Archie, are you... What are you shouting about? There's a pitch. I can't hear anything on this phone. Right, too. But, Archie, I want to hear this game. But, Dad, I can't even hear who's calling. Again, the wind-up. It'll just take a minute, Dad. Oh, me. All right, Archie. And it's right. There, it's off. Now, for Pete's sake, hurry up, will you? I will, Dad. I will. Hello? Hello, Archie. <laughs> oh, fine. Why, you all Archie, Ken? Oh. <laughs> 
It's awful nice to hear your voice, Archie. Say, uh... <laughs> Oh, no. Archie, would you please stop cackling like an old lady in a Turkish bath? Huh? Oh, okay, Dad, okay. Hello, Turkish bath. <laughs> I mean, hello, Veronica. I can't talk now because my father's listening to the ball game. What did you want? Oh, well, Archie, I just wondered if you all would like to go on a picnic. A picnic? Uh-huh. I thought today would be an awful nice day for a picnic. Gee whiz, Veronica, that's not a bad idea. Uh-huh. We could ask Jughead and Betty and, and have a real good time. Archie. Okay, Dad, okay. Gee whiz, Veronica, that's a swell idea. But will you call them up? I can't use the phone. Oh, Okay, Veronica, that's fine. All right. Goodbye now, Archie. Goodbye now, Veronica. Bye. Bye. <sighs> well, are you finally through? Oh, yes, Dad, all through. And guess what, Dad? We're going on a picnic. Veronica Archie, and Betty wa- and Jughead and me. Archie, Isn't that wa- a swell idea? Archie, all right, all right. But I want to hear that ball game. Well, oh, she was okay, Dad. I'm going up and change my clothes, and I won't bother you anymore. Well, Hallelujah. What did you say, Dad? Uh, not a thing. Oh, okay. Uh. It's a high fly deep in the center field. It could be a hit. It could be. No frillos under it. He signals for the catch and he has it. So that's three out, retiring side and leading score. Three to two, favor the Dodgers. Three two. Good grief. How did it get to be three two? But yes. that's one thing you can't complain about in this game. There's been plenty of action. Yes, yes sir. This is not only a pitch and yes. ball, but a ball and too. And it's Archie, are you calling me? Yes, what's well, the What? I said what's the Archie, I can't hear you. Wait till I turn the radio off. Now, what did you want? I wanted to know what the score is. Oh, great. Archie, is that all you wanted to know? Is that all? Gee, with that, that's an important game. Oh, me. Archie, the score is 3-2. Oh, okay, Dad. Thanks. You're welcome. Oh, that kid can't listen to the radio half a minute. And he's ball four and sends Campanella to first. Dad! Oh, fine. Yes, Archie. Three to two, favor who? Favor the Dodgers. Oh, good. Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. Favor who? Sometimes I wonder why that boy is... Oh, well, what's the difference? I guess he's entitled to know the score, but I... Oh, fine. Fred. Yes, dear. Mary, I want to listen Fred? to... But I haven't heard Fred? a minute. But I can't Fred? even listen. I'll answer the doorbell. <laughs> Why I can't listen to a ball game on my own radio, I'll never know. Hello. Oh, good grief. Jughead. Who'd you expect? Tallulah? <laughs> no, darling. But I didn't expect you either. But come in quickly, please. I'm listening to the ball game. She was what a coincidence. What's a coincidence? Well, Archie and I are going on a picnic. Yes, Jughead, I know that. And you know what I brought along? Yes, Jughead. A baseball. Yeah. Oh, fine. And is that the coincidence? Uh-huh. I thought Archie and I might have a catch at the picnic. Yes, Jughead, but I... I must... like having a catch, don't you? Yes, Jughead, but I want to... You want to have a catch now? Yes, Jughead. I... No, 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 Jughead. I do not want to have a catch now. And I do not want to hear any more about how you want to have a catch. Now, for Pete's sake, Jug, if you want to see Archie, go call him. But I want to listen to the ball game. Okay, Mr. Andrews. Oh, that Jughead, sometimes I... Hey, Archie! Oh, no, Jughead, please don't start that. Hey, Archie! Jughead, will you please be quiet? Hey, Archie! Jughead, will you... 
please stop that shouting? Oh, me? Yes, you. Can't you even come into the house without Mrs. yelling? Andrews, what on earth are you shouting about? Mary, I oh, am... Oh, hello, Doug. Hello, Mrs. Andrews. I came over to see Archie. Well, Fred, why don't you let the boy go up and see Archie? Mary, I... You always seem to pick arguments with poor Jughead. Poor Jughead? Mary, I'll poor Jughead him. And I thought you wanted to listen to the basketball game. It's a baseball game, not basketball. Then why don't you just listen to it? Well, I... Oh, me. All right, Mary. I won't say another word. Not another word. All right. The idea of arguing with a boy like that. How do I get into these things? How? I don't know how. <laughs> Jughead, you heard what my wife said. Now go see Archie so I can listen to the ball game. Oh, hey, Mr. Andrews. I... Oh, Dad, uh, what's this going on? Oh, me. Archie, I don't know what it is. You don't? How come? I've been trying to keep Jughead quiet. That's how come. Jughead? She was not here already. Hi, Jug. Hi, Hi Archie. Sure. Archie, if you want to talk to Jughead, come down here and talk to him. I can't. Why not? No pants. Oh, great. Then be quiet and come down as soon as you get your pants on. Okay. The same goes for you, Jughead. I got pants on. <laughs> Jughead, I know that. I mean about being quiet. I want to turn this set on, so if you're going to wait for Archie, wait quietly. I'm quiet like a mouse. Good. Robinson I... coming up to bat now. Oh, boy, Jackie Robinson, my yes. favorite. Yes, Jughead. Here's the wind up. Pitch. He swings and it's a high fly. Oh, boy, I bet it's a double. Look, Jug. Uh, I'm... Boy, triple. Uh, Jug, I... Way down the field. Oh, a home run. Jug, I... It's on the third base line. It's a home run. I bet it's a home run. Hell ball. Run, Jackie, run. Uh... What did he say? He said it was a foul ball. Foul ball? That's one strike on Jackie Robinson. Ball! Kill the umpire! Jughead! Oh, right in the ball! Jug! I... The umpire's fine in the back! Jughead! That was not a call strike. He hit it. Foul. Oh, he did? Yes, he did. Now, for Pete's sake, why must you get so excited? I'm the nervous type. Yeah. Well, get unnervous. Randall's winding I... up again. Oh, Dad! Show me. Jughead, see what Archie wants now. Okay. Jughead, why did you turn that radio off? How can I hear Archie with it on? Oh, no, Jughead, all right, but hurry up. What do you want, Archie? <laughs> What's the score now? What's the score now, Miss Andrews? I don't... I don't know. Oh. Archie, your father doesn't know what the score is. Jughead, I didn't appreciate the way you said that. Hi, Jughead. Hi, Dad. Oh, fine. Hi, Archie. All set for the picnic? Sure, you. Sure. Good. Huh? I said good. If you and Jughead are set for your picnic, go ahead and go to your picnic so I can turn this radio on. Okay, Jug, let's go. We got a call for the girls. Yeah. But you know something? Yeah? My Uncle Herman says it's going to rain this afternoon. Rain? Archie, with it is not. Archie, look. Would you and Jughead argue about the weather someplace else, please? Oh, okay, Dad, okay. As soon as I see what the radio says about the weather. All right, then I can see who, who says about the weather. The radio. There's a newscast on the other station now, and they always give the weather. But I... It'll only take a minute, Dad. Yeah, but I... You don't want me to go on a picnic and get caught in the rain, do you? Yeah. Oh, man, all right, Archie. Turn on your newscast. Check the weather. But do it quickly. Okay, Dad, okay. Never in all my days heard of anything. And like it's that. another home run. I'm sorry to make you miss the ball game, Dad. That's all right, Archie. Well, what's another home run? 
It'll just take me a second to find the station that gives the weather. It must be here. Yeah. Hmm. Ah, here's the station right here. Boy, that sure doesn't sound like the weather. No, it doesn't. Gee whiz, I guess we missed the newscast. Oh, fine. Well, if you missed it, you missed it. So just turn it back to the ball game and go ahead on your picnic. It's not going to rain today anyway. Yeah, that's what I say. Archie, I said turn that dial back to the ball game. Gee whiz, Dad, I'm trying to. Trying to? Archie, what do you mean you're trying to? Just that, Dad. This knob's broken. Good. For a minute, I was a... What's broken? This knob. It's loose or something. See it? It turns and turns, but nothing happens. Oh, no. Gee whiz. Archie Andrews, you mean to tell me I can't dial the ball game now? Gee, I'm afraid so, Dad. Not until we get this knob tightened. Archie, I... Don't get excited, Dad. Don't get excited. This knob always comes loose, and it's very easy to fix it. My sight! I'll just go get your screwdriver, Dad, and and I'll have it fixed in two seconds. You'll see, Dad. Archie, something tells me I'd better come with you. Archie, come back here, and I'll... I'll... Oh, me, what's the use? All I want to do is listen to a ball game, and what happens? What? Oh, you shut up! Lullabies yet when I want to hear a ball game. Oh, fine, now what? Hello? Hello, Mr. Andrews. This is Betty. Oh, great. Hello, Betty. Is Archie there? Yes and no. Yes and no? Yes, he's here, but he went to get a screwdriver to fix the radio he just broke. Uh, Betty, that's exactly what I'd like to know. But he's not leaving this house until that radio is fixed. Golly, then we better change our plans. Change anything you like. Well, would you tell Archie that to save time, I'll come over there. And I'll call Veronica and have her pick us all up at your house. Pick you up at my house? Uh, Betty, on second thought, Archie can... Now. Bye. But Betty, wait, wait. Wait, wait, I... Hello. Hello, Betty. I... Oh, Fine. Ah, sometimes I think that Betty is just a female jughead. Here's the screwdriver, Dad. Oh, oh, good. Give it to me. Here you are, Dad. Now, just tighten that set screw on the knob and it'll work fine. Yes, Archie, I know all about that. Just put the screwdriver in there and... There. That should tighten it. Now try the knob, Dad. I am, I am. It looks like it works now. You see, Dad? I told you it was easy to fix. Yes, Archie, but now put the screwdriver back in my workbench. But, Dad, I got to call for Betty. She's waiting. Archie, you do not have to call for Betty. She just called and said she's coming over here. She is? Yes, Archie, she is. Now put the screwdriver back in my workbench and do it quickly. She was okay, Dad. I still better go with you, Archie. Your father sure has a bad temper. Jughead, I do not have a bad temper. I just want to listen to this gay... Oh, me, what's the use? Just turn the game on and listen before I go out of my mind. This I might have known. Fred, are you answering that? Yes, I'm answering that. But I don't know why. Hello, Mr. Andrews. How's the radio coming along? Oh, hello, Betty. The radio is all fixed, and I have high hopes of getting to hear that ball game any day now. Ball game? Golly, are you listening to the baseball game? That, Betty, is a very difficult question to answer. Oh, golly, I love baseball, don't you? Yes, Betty, but I... My father took me to see a baseball game last year. That's very interesting. And you know what happened? The pitcher scored five touchdowns. (laughs) Oh, fine. Look, Betty, touchdowns is football. It is? 
Golly, I was sure it was baseball. Betty, baseball or football. She was high, I... Betty. Oh, hello, look. Archie. Hello, Betty. And look out for Mr. Andrews. He's in an awful mood today. Hello, Jughead. Look, look, you kids. Now, if you have all, got all your exchange, your greetings exchanged, now, would you mind going to your picnic so I can get to my radio? Oh, golly, we can't go yet. Veronica's coming over. She was she is? Uh-huh. I called her and told her to pick us up here. She was? Well, now we'll just have to wait for her. Oh, no, you don't. Huh? You are not waiting in here. I have had absolutely all the interruptions and nonsense I'm going to stand for. Now, if you must wait for Veronica, wait outside someplace. She was okay, Dad. Come on, kids. We'll wait on the front porch. She was, let's go wait in the backyard. We can have a catch while we're waiting. That's a fine idea. Go out in the backyard. Way out. Okay, Jack. Come on, Betty. I'm coming, Archie. You got the ball, Jughead? Yeah, right here. Oh, those kids. I've never in all my days seen anything like this. I, every time I try to listen to this game, something else goes wrong. Uh, might as well get that game on while the listening is good. <laughs> it's funny. The doorbell hasn't rung yet. Well, maybe it isn't going to. Maybe I'm actually going to hear this ball game after all at long last. And once again, Stan, the man Musel, steps up to the plate, and man, oh man, just look at the outfield drop back. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, this is more like it. Some good baseball at last. Musel's crouched at the plate, and from the looks of him, he'd like to go around those bases at least once more today. Ah, there's a pitch. He swings and misses. Strike one. I'd sure like to hear Musel get a hit. Here's a wind-up. Pitch. Musel swings again, and it's strike two. Wow, what a game. I bet he strikes out. Since moment, folks. The cards can use that hit, but it's two strikes on Musel right now. <laughs> Good grief. Who the dickens is that blowing that horn anyway? <sighs> oh, great. It's Veronica. Uh-oh. Oh, fine. Campanella's coming out from behind the plate for a little conference with Newcomb. Veronica, why are you blowing that horn? Well, I just want Musel struck out, and the cat probably wants to find out what Newcomb has. What? It's two strikes on you, Joe, and one more. Oh, good fine. Right Veronica, I can't hear you. Just a minute. Between whether or not the Dodgers are... <sighs> now maybe I can make out what the diggers that kid wants. Hello, Veronica. What do you want? Archie, is he ready to leave? Oh, fine. Uh, Veronica, he's around and back at the house someplace. Now, will you please go and get him and stop honking that horn? Oh, all right, Mr. Andrews. I'm terribly sorry. It's all right. I'm terribly sorry, she says. Sometimes I wonder how Archie can have so many dizzy friends at one time. I... What's the difference? I'd better get this ball game turned on if I'm ever going to. I sure wish those kids would leave for that picnic. Then I'd have a little peace and quiet around here. And And that makes it three and two on Musial. Three and two? Yes, sir. Three and two. (laughs) What a spot for a pitcher to be in. For that matter, what a spot for Musal to be in. Good grief, what a spot for anybody to be in. Yes, what a spot for anybody to be in. Yeah. Crowds yelling for a hit. You can probably would rather walk him, but that boy Musal prefers to hit him, and my guess is he's going to swing at this next ball if it's anywhere within a block of the bat. I'll bet he does. There's a wind-up. A pitch. And he swings and hits it. He hit it. He hit it. It's a high one. It's going up, up, up. It may go over the fence or it may land in center field. Where it's going is anybody's guess. It came in here. Landed right in the stand. And the fans are fighting for the ball. I got it. I got it. I I, I... It's funny. How the dickens did that ball get near? 
I don't mean it's going to be bad. I'll never know. Fred, what on earth is that? Mary, I don't know. His baseball came through the window. Through the window? Our dad, did that ball come in here? I told you let Betty throw it. Fred, turn that radio off. Mary, don't. Betty, I'm... Now, that's better. Now, listen to me, all of you. This nonsense has gone far enough. Too far, in fact. Yes, yes Mr. Andrews. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. So has the ball. <laughs> no, Jug. Be quiet. Half an hour ago, I decided to try to listen to a ball game on the radio. And what happens? You struck out. <laughs> Jughead, be quiet. I certainly did strike out. And why? Because nobody around here has the least regard for me. People keep calling everybody and turning the radio off and asking for the score. And then Jughead throws a baseball right through the window. Now, if you kids are going on a picnic, go and right now. And I want nobody to set foot in this room until that ball game is over. Now, do you all understand that? Yes, yes Mr. Andrew. Yes, dear. Yes, Dad. Would you repeat the question? <laughs> Jughead, please be quiet. Well, go on. What are you waiting for? Go on your picnic. Okay, Dad. Come on, kids. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Oh. oh, thank heavens. And now, Mary, I am going to hear that ball game. Yes, dear. And I'm terribly sorry you had so much trouble. Oh, look, dear. Let's just forget the whole thing. I want to do nothing but relax and listen to this game. Yes, I guess that's it, folks. It's coming down heavier now, and the Empire has just called the game because of rain. Good. I always like the Empire. Yeah. Call the game because of rain. Fred, you oh, mean there's the no game, game after all? After all, I went through and no game. How do I get it? to the Andrews. It's a short time later, and we find Mr. Andrews just recovering from the shock of discovering that the ball game was called on account of rain. He's in the kitchen talking to Mrs. Andrews. Do you feel better now, dear? Ah, yeah, Mary, I certainly do. <laughs> you know, this tea was just what I needed. Good. And what are you going to do for the rest of the afternoon, dear? Well... I know, I just thought I'd take a nice and easy and listen to the radio anyway, even if there is no ball game on. Oh, Fred, you can't do that. I can't? Why not? Because the children cancel their picnic because of the rain, and they're all out in the living room playing records. Playing records? Mary Andrews, now you listen to me. Well, if Fred, you think I'm going to put up with those kids again... Listening to another transcribed chapter of The Adventures of Archie Andrews, written by Carl Jampel and based on a copyrighted feature appearing in Archie Comics Magazine. Archie is played by Bob Hastings, Jughead by Harlan Stone. 
Mom and Dad Andrews are played by Alice Yorman and Arthur Cole. Veronica and Betty by Gloria Mann and Rosemary Rice. The sports announcer was Ross Martin. This program was produced and directed by Kenneth McGregor. Listen next Sunday at the same time for more of the merry adventures of Archie Andrews. This is Mel Brand saying so long. Till then. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Challenge of the Yukon, followed by Duffy's Tavern. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.